Hello, my name is Dennis Deloach, and I'll be your host today. This is our 25th episode of the Uncle Jim Effect podcast, and today's podcast is on accountability, our greatest growth tool. First, I want to say thank you for the tremendous success we've had. I want to please ask you to subscribe to our channel and like it, leave a message for us, and please share it with your family and friends. We're also located on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We're continuing to grow. Our purpose, as we state every time, is to create growth opportunities for more than a million people to realize their God-given potential and to magnify that potential in the service of their family, their friends, and their neighbors, and help them to do the same. And in doing so, to create a tsunami of hope for those around us. Uh, It can start with us. It will start with us. And it's one person at a time and we can have a cumulative effect. So thank you so much. And again, uh, let's get started on accountability is our greatest growth tool. So first of all, accountability, uh, we all understand what that is. That's basically taking responsibility for actions to something or someone. So if I'm accountable to a relationship, if I'm accountable to a family, a spouse, If I'm accountable to a team, a business, that means that I take responsibility or understand that there's a part of the success or operation of that relationship, business, team, or whatever that is directly proportional to my input and my success and my expertise and my drive. And so that's what accountability is. It's basically that I have a part in making something grow or work. Uh, I want to share a little quote. It's uh, This is by George Washington Carver. And he says, 99% of all failures come from people who have a habit of making excuses. 99% of all failures come from people who make a habit of making excuses. So I don't know if that number is accurate, but I know it's very close. So does that mean if we don't make excuses, we'll become a lot more successful? Absolutely. And we're going to kind of explore how to do that today. Now, being accountable is a sensitive subject, but the coaches, mentors, examples and leaders I've had in my life that provided the greatest amount of accountability example to me uh, were not pleasant experiences at the time. And, And by that, I mean, you know, having honest assessments of your ability, having honest assessments of your effort, having honest assessments of your strengths and weaknesses, having honest assessments of your leadership capabilities and performance levels are humbling. But, but if you can listen and learn from that, you will absolutely exponentially grow. And so the key here is to listen and to get people that will be absolutely brutally honest with you because we do not continue to grow when all we do is get patted on the back. So I'm going to share a quote to kind of start all this off by Oprah Winfrey, and I'm going to be reading this. It says, uh, Oprah said, you're responsible for your life. And if you're sitting around waiting on somebody to save you, to fix you, even to help you, 
you are wasting your time because only you have the power to take responsibility to move your life forward. And the sooner you get that, the sooner your life gets into gear. So true. Whether you believe it or not, whether you listen to me or not, whether you listen to your inner self or not, whether you have the guts to get a coach or a mentor or not, whether you listen to them or not, does not matter. It is a fact of life and of the universe that if you do not choose to get outside assessment of you and continually learn and accept 100% accountability for anything and everything you're a part of, you will not grow. And so we're going to uh, discuss that concept and go over some ways that uh, show you what the benefits of personal accountability are. Why do some people not take accountability responsibly for their actions? And then I've come up with six questions to ask yourself so, uh, to learn how, how do I demonstrate accountability in any given situation? And how do I learn from that? How do I implement that in my life to make me a better person? Okay, so let's get started. Uh, one of the greatest uh, acts of accountability that I'm aware of, and, and you are too, I'm sure, is the uh, book Man's Search for Meaning, Dr. Viktor Frankl, who was a Holocaust survivor. This takes place in some of the most uh, abhorrent circumstances known to man during the Holocaust, where uh, if you were a Jew, they were doing unspeakable things and murdering you and burning you and doing all of these things. They were in concentration camps for months and years at a time, starved to death, gas, put in gas chambers, just absolutely conditions that just uh, defy description. And uh, this is something he said, and uh, I want to read this. It's a little lengthy, but if you'll just pay attention to it and see the concept of it, I think it can help change your life. This is Viktor Frankl. We who lived in the concentration camps can remember the men who walked through the huts comforting others, giving away their last piece of bread. They may have been few in number, but they offer sufficient proof that everything can be taken from man but one thing, the last of human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose every hour offered the opportunity and to make a decision, a decision which determined whether you would or would not submit to those powers which threatened to rob you of your very self, your inner freedom, which determined whether or not you would become the plaything of circumstance renouncing freedom and dignity to become molded into the form of the typical inmate. So they can take away everything from any person, including their life. The one thing they can never take from you is your inner thoughts, desires, and dedication to the attitude you have and express in any given circumstance, be it positive or negative. Uh, John McCain, former Senator, and POW for, I believe, five, six, or a seven-year period talked about that same thing where they basically overcame the, the terrible treatment by mentally choosing to have a great attitude. Now, we're talking about some of the worst conditions of mankind, the Holocaust, being burnt and starved to death, prisoners of war getting beaten daily, threatened with being murdered every day. So the circumstances we find ourselves in 
pale in comparison. So if these people can do it, they've already established that as humans, we can do almost anything and everything we set our mind to. So use these examples to propel you past the excuses that we always seem to have in our life. The only way we break habits is to step back, assess where we're at, realize what's right or wrong, and make simple daily steps to get back on the path. And a lot of times that involves mentors or coaches to give you external assessments, honestly. Okay, so let's talk about some of the benefits of accountability. These are pretty much common sense, but I want to start with a, con, a, a quote by Joe Dumars, who was one of the great NBA players who played with the Detroit Pistons back in their heyday when they won several world championships. And uh, this is a, an important quote for those of you that work in teams or their team of sports, a family, or a business, anything to do with any kind of team. This is a great quote. And Joe said, on good teams, coaches hold players accountable. On great teams, players hold players accountable. So what does that mean? So if I'm a coach of a good team, that team relies on me to be their driving force, to hold them accountable each and every second of the day, each and every play of the game, each and every task they do at work, each and every day of a relationship or in a family. That great leader can absolutely drag people with them and make them a good team. But to have a great team, to have a great team, players have to hold players accountable. And coaches are there to create the purpose and the vision and give you the tools to succeed. And so in your team, whether that team is sports or business specifically, the players have to hold players accountable. And that should be done in a professional manner. Nobody likes a know-it-all or a teammate that is always pointing out your mistakes, but not mine. And so if you're that kind of a teammate, stop it. Our goal as a teammate is to always make those around us better, to put everybody and anybody on your team in a position to succeed however and whatever you can do. That is the definition of a true leader, and that is holding yourself accountable and not just saying, well, I did my part, he didn't do his or she didn't do hers. That's not what great leaders do, and that's not how you develop great teams. So let's talk about just a couple of things that are benefits of personal accountability. Uh, first of all, you create better decision-making abilities. So if I make a bad decision or something bad happens and I keep blaming other people, then it's easy for me to say, man, I'm doing a great job. Sally's not doing her job. Now, how did I grow from that? Because maybe it was 78% Sally's fault, but the opportunity for that 22% growth, I just missed out on. And now she uh, dislikes me, doesn't trust me, shuts down and it's just an inward caving in and nothing where with accountability we want to grow and expand so if i hold myself accountable and i actually look at what i do that 22 percent that was my fault i correct it first because part of my accountability would have been i didn't train sally enough i didn't communicate to her her exact expectations for the business or team i didn't spend more time 
encouraging her. So that's how I become a better decision maker is by truly evaluate, evaluating what I do. Our performance improves, obviously. If I'm critiquing what I did wrong and always correcting it and hold myself accountable, my performance is going to improve. My reputation as a leader exponentially grows. People do not trust those who point the blame. So I learned as a, as a young CEO of a multi-group dental business, I was not an effective leader in that sense. And that's something that I had to learn over time was it was easy for me to say, I can't believe they did that. They should have known that. And I had a mentor one time point out to me, so tell me how you explain that to them. And I said, well, I, we talked about that in the meeting. He said, what was that meeting? I said, a month or two ago. He said, so when you hear something once, you learn that forever? When's the last time you reviewed it with them, asked what they needed, give, gave them tools, trained them, followed up with them, encouraged them, uh, retrained them, and recommunicated exactly? When was the last time you did that? And I in essence, thought, well, I shouldn't have to. I've mentioned that to him once. And think about how silly that is. I learned something once and then I'm perfect for life? Absolutely not. So uh, the trust we get and the reputation we have as a leader is dependent upon our willingness to, quote unquote, fall on the sword and take blame. Because whether we like it or not, the as a leader, the accountability of the team and the performance of each member of that team is 100% my accountability. Now, they might be failing and part of my accountability might be to replace them, but it's still my accountability. Uh, we improve our personal responsibility. The more I look at myself when things go wrong and not look to blame others, the more I become responsible and responsive and I improve. And then finally, and probably the most important is people trust you. Everything in life are about relationships, whether it's a team, a, a sports, business. If people trust you, they want to work with you and follow you and be associated with you. And the way people trust you is to know that you are not going to throw them under the bus, that you're going to be a man or a woman of your word and be full of integrity, and that you're going to accept accountability when it's your fault and you're going to work with them and treat them with respect to do everything you can to maximize their performance. So contrarily, why do some people not take responsibility? And we see that a lot in society today. That, to be honest with you, it drives me crazy. Uh, Johnny Miller said this about accountability. Accountability is the highest form of leadership. So some people think, man, if I admit my faults, if I admit my mistakes, I'm this big player or I'm the CEO or I'm the coach or I'm the dad or I'm the leader, I cannot admit my mistakes. That's weakness. That's absolutely ridiculous and 180 degrees off the truth. Vulnerability or the ability to be honest about who you are, the mistakes you've made, what you've learned from that and how you've improved as a person is absolutely powerful and creates trust beyond belief. Do not be afraid to admit weaknesses, uh, lessons learned, uh, and share those with people because that gives them absolute hope and it's the highest form of leadership because what it does is it inspires people. 
because what most people see is the finished product. They see you as a successful CEO or a successful athlete, successful parent. What they don't see is that 10, 20, 30 year period that led you with all the bumps, bruises, and scars to get to that point. And at this point, they look at you and you've done it. I've done it. You look and say, wow, that person's got it made. They've got such an easy life. But what you don't know and you respect them is you, if you could hear the stories they went through, the first thing you think was, wow, I didn't know that. And that gives me hope. If they can do it, I can do it. And that's the point of this. Being accountable is to give people hope. That's the whole thing about this podcast. So let's talk about some of the reasons people do not take responsibility. Uh, there's less pressure on me if I just kind of hide and stay in the background. And I don't, I don't want to take accountability because then I've got to improve performance and people are going to expect me to improve and to do better. So people want to hide in the background. Uh, it's easier on me if I don't put myself out there, if I don't become vulnerable, if I don't admit I made mistakes, if I just sit quietly and produce at about 50% of my capability, then they'll expect, well, okay, we can count on him to be an average person. That's okay. And I don't grow because when you grow, you grow three steps up, two or three steps back. Four steps up, three steps back. Sometimes you go two steps up, four steps back. As long as you're continuing to grow, that's what counts. Uh, failure. The fear of failure for me is the big one. People are so afraid to fail. I've seen that over and over and over in the businesses that I've run, and I've seen it in sports. Do not be afraid to fail. One of the greatest lessons I personally learned as a CEO in working with people was the discussion I had with them. I would literally say, look, I'm giving you permission to fail. As long as you don't fail at the same thing over and over and over, I'm never going to have an issue. Now, I'm going to teach you everything I can, but I do not want your mindset to be sit back, be cautious, sit back, be cautious. I want you to be thinking, this is what's expected of me. What can I do to be up here? And if I slip and make mistakes, learn from it. And then what do I do to be up here? So the fear of failure absolutely holds people back. And as a leader, you have to be an effective manager of other people's fears by allowing them to make mistakes, giving them permission, and then not swinging the hammer when they make a mistake. Encourage them and review with them. Okay, so this is what we talked about. This is the mistake you made. Talk to me about why you did that. And as they explain it to you, try to find paths that were great with them and acknowledge that and say, yeah, okay, I understand. That was a great way of thinking. Where you might have uh, slipped up was on this area. Just correct that, go back and get it done. And I think once you do that, you create in that person, first of all, a trust with you. They now are, feel like they're turned loose to use their ingenuity, their drive, their desire, and isn't that what you want? And now they grow and they expand and they become more confident. And that's exactly what we want. Uh, fear of judgment. People don't want to be chastised or judged. Uh, and so those are the reasons people don't. I don't like to talk about why they, why we don't do something. We want to focus on why people do. But anyway, hopefully that gives you an insight into every one of those. Every one of those positive and negatives that we talked about, I've experienced and been a master of at some point especially the bad ones. And so that's why I share them with you. So when I we talked about those and something resonated with you, that's okay. Work on correcting that. So the, I've come up with six questions that I always try to ask myself 
when I'm holding myself accountable in any kind of issue, situation, negative, uh, uh, negative result, uh, time of trial, anything that does not go well, whether it's sports, whether it's business, whether it's numbers, statistics, uh, finances, anything and everything, uh, relationships, try and ask these six questions. And, and there's some form of variation you can come up with yourself. So before I do that, I want to share a, uh, a quote. Uh, it was the one we talked about with uh, George Washington Carver, about 99%. I want to refer back to that. 99% of all fail failures come from people who have a habit of making excuses. Remember that and having that concept of not making excuses absolutely ever, ever, ever. If the people in the Holocaust, if the people in prisoner of war camps did not make excuses, please explain to me your situation so you can make an excuse. I personally know people who have uh, had extremely aggressive uh, terminal cancer that just were absolutely dying and going downhill that had better attitudes than I did. So there is ever, never, ever, ever an excuse to have a poor attitude or to not be held accountable for at least your attitude. So let's talk about those questions. Uh, number one, I always ask myself, what could I have done better? And when I first learned that, it was difficult because in my mind, for example, as a CEO or as a coach of a football team, and I see a situation that I specifically taught or specifically trained on that gets not done, and then there's a negative result, it's easy for me to say, oh, I already told them that, or oh, we already trained on that, or they already knew about that. But that's not the attitude to become a great leader, to develop trust and to have accountability and to grow. The question has got to be, what could I have done better? Well, let me explain. So what could I have done better? You know, I could have, I might have explained to Sally that in this situation, I absolutely want you to do this. But I also maybe, did I follow up? Did I sit down and have a, a visit with her and explain why I'm doing that? Did I just tell her or did I explain why? Did I get her input back from that? Do you understand why? How can we make this a, a better? I mean, this is what I'm saying. What do you think? How do you're the one on the front line. How does that do? What can I do to support you better? And they change it. And then did I give them positive feedback when they did do it right? So these are just a couple of things that I could have done, even though it wasn't my fault. And so that's the first question I always ask myself. Second one is, what did I learn from this issue and it, from me? And so what I find is, okay, maybe I need to spend more time with this area of the business. Maybe I need to delegate, and that's a big thing for leaders. We don't delegate enough. Maybe I needed to delegate that whole section of our company or this part of the team. I really need to delegate more training. So what did I learn from this that I can do? Not so much what did Sally do, but what did I learn to make Dennis a better CEO? I'm not even talking about what Sally did. I'm talking about me because if I do what I need to do to improve myself, guess what? Sally is absolutely going to blossom. The third thing I do is I try to think of how, what kind of habits, systems, or trainings can I create to eliminate this in the future? So I, that's why I tell my employees and my players, look, get after it. I'm going to train you to the best of my ability, 
Don't hold back. Go 100 miles an hour. When you go 100 miles an hour, you're absolutely going to make mistakes. Don't worry about mistakes. Ask, what did I do wrong? Learn from it and implement it and, and try not to make that again. Now, as humans, we need grace every day. We're going to fall short every day. I, I fall short every day on almost the same set of things. And so, yes, we none of us are perfect. So we just want to know, what can I do to set up a system, a habit, a process, a training? What can I do to really make sure that we drive that home to minimize that? So instead of that happening six times a month, it's going to happen only four times next month and three times the next month. That's leadership. That's accountability. Fourth, and this is probably the biggest one for leaders, is how can I communicate better? I in the my early years would think things in my mind, I would know what's going on. I would assume people had ESP and could understand. I would tell them once, I'd think about it all day, every day. And I just assume, well, I'm thinking about it all day. They must be. And that's a huge mistake. We need to communicate exact, exact, exact expectations, our vision, purpose, everything we wanna do over and over and over and over. I, it is amazing to me how many times we had our vision and purpose posted on the wall and in each room. We talked about it at every weekly meeting, at every weekly leadership meeting. We talked about it every monthly team training. And once in a while, a leader told me, let's check your effectiveness. And he would ask someone, what's, what's, what's the purpose? And they couldn't even couldn't mention it. And I'm sitting there thinking, we literally, that person has been with me a year and a half. We literally have gone over that. So did I look to belittle them? Absolutely not. I am falling short as a leader. So somehow, some way, I've got to improve my communication. Never, never, ever, ever assume that communication is done until they give it back to you again and again and again. Uh, and then the fifth one is... How do I use this to instill trust in my team? Remember earlier I said the number one way that we create uh, relationships with people, whether it's in a business, personal relationships, a business relationship with clients, customers, patients, teammates, anything, is they have got to trust you. So my question, fifth one is, what can I do in this situation to create more trust? How can I use this to leverage trust? And usually what that is, is I always tried to start by talking, irregardless of whether it was as a coach to high school kids in football, whether it was as a practicing professional dentist to patients, to team, whether it was in a multi-practice owner or other dental businesses that we own. It's always best, and I tried to always say, gosh, in this situation, I kind of dropped the ball here. I should have done this, this, and this better. I'm going to do my best moving forward to communicate better to you, to really do a little bit better job uh, in my area, and to really kind of focus more on that. Now, when you start a discussion that way, and your leader, CEO, or coach does that right off the bat, it takes away every everything you have about being protective or, you know, he's going to not, I'm not going to, they're not going to be honest with you because I just opened up, was vulnerable and told them, look, this was my fault. That aside, how can I support you? How can I help you? Because 
you were supposed to do X and you didn't do X. And I accept response, uh, account, I'm accountable for that. You're responsible for that. But so I'm accountable to getting you trained so that you can hit your responsibility. If you do that, that will absolutely create trust. And you watch what that does to that teammate. Their performance will skyrocket. And then finally, how do I communicate exact expectations to my team? And then also, what does winning look like to them in the future? So sometimes what we don't do is we assume that people understand what we're talking about. So this final question is, how can I uh, absolutely clearly define for this person, teammate, friend, exactly what it looks like for them to be winning in my eyes? And so sometimes you literally have to say in football, if you control that man, keep your outside shoulder free and own that six foot piece of property and don't give up ground, you, that's what winning looks like. You don't have to make a sack. You don't have to jump over anybody. You don't have to run a four, four. You hold that ground, hold leverage, keep your outside shoulder free and own that six feet. That's absolutely. So they might run the other way for a touchdown. If you did yours, I can look you in the eye and say, that was fantastic. You did exactly what we needed to. You you won that play. Now, as a team, we didn't, but you won that play. And it's the same way in business that I can create exact to that level, exactly what it looks like for anybody and everybody to win. Are you doing that as a leader? I sure wasn't. And I still work and struggle on that on a daily basis. So I hope this has helped you a little bit. This has been very, very uh, uh exciting to me because I started off, I thought I was a great leader because I had a background in sports. I was not a good leader. I was kind of a force it down your throat, uh, drive, drive, drive. And you know what? People aren't like that. And you know, you people aren't like that. And it took me so long to learn. And I've had some great people along the way, including family members that uh, point that out to me. And I've tried and tried and tried. And I'm not a lot better, but I'm I'm better than I was. And that's the whole point. It doesn't matter. I'm not anywhere near the best leader or a communicator I can be, but I'm a lot better than I was yesterday. And that's all that matters. I want to I want to uh, leave you with this thought. If you fail to take the necessary and intentional action in your life to create the exact life you want. If you don't make uh, specific decisions and steps to do certain things in your life, you are absolutely going to end up with a life you don't want. So if you're completely 100% happy with where you are at in life on every level, God bless you. And please get a hold of me and let me know how I can do that. And let's get you on this podcast. If you're not, don't think things are just going to happen. Step back, assess yourself, hold yourself accountable in these areas, every area. And then when you hold yourself accountable, do it to a 10x level, meaning, yeah, I'm only doing this. I should do this. No, you shouldn't. You should be up here. And so hold yourself to that level. Uh, if you do that and you get intentional about changing your life, great things happen. Thank you so much for this. I hope this has been of value to you. If it has, please uh, like below, please subscribe, share with your family and friends and uh, continue to keep doing great things. We're excited and uh, we'll talk to you soon.